and come November, you're going to have an opportunity to vote on who you think is the very best representative for you. This morning, you have an opportunity to vote who you think is the best representative for you spiritually. Uh, this morning, there, there, there's going to be an opportunity for you to, to put your weight behind a, a particular candidate, uh, maybe one that you're never going to meet in the senses that we have surrounding us in this world, uh, but in a foreign land spiritually, they're going to represent you and you're going to have to choose uh, which one to follow. And what they choose, how they choose to represent you, will have everything to do with the changes you can expect in your life. These representatives, these candidates will change your life. The outcome of what you should expect life to be like because you have followed one candidate or another uh, really is how you should cast your vote. And so this morning, uh, we're going to continue on this Together series in the first half of the book of Romans, and we're just going to look at at two very polar opposite candidates, two two very different kind of representatives. And you will have an opportunity not only to see their, their track record, not only to see their pedigree and to see what they have accomplished and what they have done, uh, but to place yourself in one category or another, to put your full followership behind one or the other, and then, and then we're going to see uh, what kind of outcome you can expect if you choose one candidate over another. You're going to see the kind of changes in life that you can expect uh, when you come to follow one or the other. Are you ready for that? There's two candidates, and they occupy very, very different platforms. Join me in Romans chapter 5. I'm going to read from verse 12 to verse 19. Two candidates, two representatives, and they occupy very different platforms. If you're joining me with the Bibles in front of you, it should be page 784. Verse 12. Therefore, just as sin entered the world through one man and death through sin, and in this way death came to all Men, because all sinned. For before the law was given, sin was in the world, but sin did not take into account, but sin is not taken into account when there is no law. Nevertheless, death reigned from the time of Adam to the time of Moses, even over those who did not sin by breaking a command specifically, as did Adam, who was a pattern of the one to come. But the gift. It's not like the trespass. 
For if the many died by the trespass of the one man, how much more did God's grace and the gift that came by the grace of the one man, Jesus Christ, overflow to the many? Again, the gift of God is not like the result of the one man's sin. The judgment followed one sin and brought condemnation, but the gift that followed uh, the gift followed many trespasses and brought justification. For if, by the trespass of the one man, death reigned through that one man, how much more will those who receive God's abundant provision of grace and of the gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ? Consequently, just as the result of one trespass was condemnation for all men, so also the result of one act of righteousness was justification that brings life for all men. For just as through the disobedience of the one, the many were made sinners, so also through the obedience of the one, the many will be made righteous. Now, there's two candidates, two representatives here. The first representative is Adam. Adam has a pretty impressive resume. Adam was the first person. None of us can say that. Like he is the father of all human beings, right? We probably should sing that song, Father Adam, not necessarily Father Abraham, right? He was the very first human being. He was the the first person that that walked the earth. He was the first person uh, to, to see a sunset, to see the stars. He was the first person to do things like go swimming, he, he was the first person to, uh, to see the fireflies out there on a warm summer night. I mean, he was the first person. None of us can say that. This is very unique. Adam was a representative of, of someone who had done things for the very first time in, in our political language. We would call him a pioneer. You might say he was able to work across the aisle, too. I mean, after all, we we find in the early chapters of of the Bible, in in the book of Genesis, that that Adam uh, was someone who was was able to walk with God. I mean, there there is this this sense that we get when we read the the early chapters of Genesis that not only was Adam the first man, but but he had uh, absolute, pure, intimate fellowship with God. I've never gotten to walk with God the way Adam got to walk with God. It says in the cool of the day, there was God. And I don't know how God did it. I don't know like if God just like poofy was there, but, but it seems like but Adam, that, that Adam and God had this opportunity to go back and forth in conversation with one another. The Scriptures don't give us any indication about how long this took place. Maybe it was a week, maybe it was a month, maybe it was years, maybe it was decades, uh, but, but, but Adam and God got to enjoy one another in perfect fellowship for a long time. I don't know, maybe God would show up and they'd go over to a, a palm tree and pick a coconut and 
you know, put in a straw and enjoy the afternoon breeze. Adam's got a pretty impressive record of work, too. Maybe you notice if you read the, the opening chapters of Genesis in the very beginning, God, God gave meaningful work to Adam. Uh, one of the, the, the primary things, all of us love going to the zoo. Adam named all of the animals. All of them. I don't know how long this took him. I don't know if they, God lined them all up in front of him, but he got to name all the animals. Now we have maybe some questions about why Adam called the aardvark the aardvark. But he has done some pretty impressive work, and God gave it to him. Now things get a little rocky after that for Adam. In fact, the headline come the next chapter after we have recognized this pure fellowship with God just might well read, Adam eats apple, forced to resign. And he's cast from this perfect fellowship with God and, and uh, we get a little sense that maybe, maybe Adam has to go into business for himself. He starts creating a clothing line made out of fig leaves. And he has to go away. And we recognize maybe more so than any other time in Scripture that, that this perfect, great, intimate fellowship with God has been broken. That it is no more. That God is not showing up in the cool parts of the day just to hang out with Adam and to enjoy each other's company. What you need to know about Adam here is that he's your representative. In fact, Adam becomes a representative of all who would follow him. All of humanity follows the blueprint that Adam shaped and molded. And the result of those who would vote for Adam, the result of those who, who will follow the outcomes of following Adam as their representative are really quite scary and horrifying. You see, Adam becomes a blueprint a representative of rebellion. He becomes a blueprint and a representative of alienation. He becomes a blueprint and a representative of hatred and revolt. And for those who would choose to follow Adam, well, the outcome is rather striking. If you go to Genesis chapter 3, the outcome is laid right there. The results of following Adam are just right there in front of us. In chapter 3, verse 17, God speaks to Adam after the, the scandal and the power structure and the, the brokenness of the relationship.
And he says in verse 17, to Adam, he said, because you listened to your wife and ate from the tree about which I commanded you that you must not eat of it. Cursed is the ground because of you. Through painful toil you will eat of it all the days of your life. And it's going to produce thorns and thistles for you. And you're going to eat the plants of the field. And by the sweat of your brow, you're going to eat your food until you return to the ground, since from it you were taken. For dust you are, and dust you will return. It's the curse, isn't it? And it had all kinds of wide-ranging effects. And we can anticipate death. Death physically, death spiritually. Hard work, hard labor. Walk through with me, would you? Go back to Romans chapter 5. Notice as we begin to walk through the, the kind of results that are expected for those who choose this particular representative. verse 12, he says, Just as sin entered the world through this one man, death through sin. And this death came to all men because all sinned. In verse 14, he says, Nevertheless, death reigned from the time of Adam to the time of Moses, even over those who didn't sin by breaking the command like Adam did. And he was a pattern of the one to come. If you look at the verse uh, 15, in the first half, he says, For if the many died by the trespass of the one man, there's death again. In verse 16, he says, The judgment followed one sin and brought condemnation. In verse 17, he says, By the trespass of the one man, death reigned through the one man. In verse 18, he says, uh, The result of the trespass was condemnation for all men. Do you begin to get the picture of the result of those of us who say, I'm just going to plow my straight row right behind Adam? He's one of the representatives. He's one of the choices. But the result of those who follow Adam, the result of those who follow Adam is quite simply death. Now you have an opportunity. There are two candidates. There's Adam. And he occupies one platform. And there's Christ. There's Jesus. And he occupies a very different platform, doesn't he? You, you see, Jesus um, isn't the first man, but he's the only Son of God. And he decides that he's going to go from heaven to earth and, and be born in a very unusual sort of way, in very unusual sorts of circumstances. He's going to grow up in this poor home, and for 30 years, we're not going to see a whole lot of what Jesus is doing. Maybe, maybe he's just making chairs and tables, being a, a good carpenter's son. And then Jesus, for three years, goes about ministry 
gets into lives of people, performs miracles, and pours his life into 12 disciples. And at the end of all of it, he decides that the best thing for his representation before God and for you is to die, to sacrifice himself. And he does it so that he can be a new kind of representation. He can be a new Adam, you might say. Notice notice the sacrifice that Jesus makes. In chapter 5, verse 6 of Romans, Paul writes this, "You You see, at just the right time when we were still powerless. Meaning we we had weakness to hold on to. Christ died for the ungodly. In verse 8, he comes back, he says, but God demonstrates His love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. This was what Jesus has done. This was where Jesus was going. So the the question is, well, what kind of results can we expect if we follow Jesus? What kind of changes in our lives uh, can we expect when, when Jesus is the one that we choose to put our faith in? Well, there's all sorts of things that that we could say there's all sorts of results that, that come from following this particular representative. But, but notice, notice really with me the, the first five verses in, in Romans chapter 5. He's going to start with peace. He's going to move to access. Uh, and then he's going to end with hope. No, notice what he says. Uh, verse 1 of chapter 5, Therefore, since we have been justified through faith. In other words, uh, those who have come along and said, I am going to vote for Christ. He's going to be my representative. He says, Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Hey, if you want to to make Jesus your representative, peace is going to result in your life. Man, that sounds pretty good. This idea of peace is this idea that that I have a right relationship with God. How many of you, uh, maybe I'm the only one, uh, but when you were in school, right, like the very mention of the word principle, right, put fear into you, right? Like there was this angst inside of you, right? right? So sometimes in, in parenting with your children, um, you feel this, right? Students, right? You, you're like, I don't want my parent to come and see my room because there's this thing, right? They, they keep telling me. This idea of peace is when I walk into the house of God, None of that is present. I'm not worried about going into the principal's office. I'm not worried to go uh, and have him see my room. We are relationally at peace. I get to have what Adam had in the garden now. Peace with God. 
So, hey, if you, you come along, you come along and you, you, you put your vote in this category with this representative, peace with God is going to result and it, and it will change you. What else does he say? He says in verse 2, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. We gain access. Now, some people think that, that grace and gaining access with Jesus is really just all about like, uh, okay, uh, I'm going to believe in God. Um, you know, I'm going to engage in partnership with him uh, in his death uh, and burial and resurrection and baptism. And, 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 and then I'm just going to sit around and wait for heaven. Here I am. Waiting. Right? And yet, and yet what Paul opens up for us is that those who would say that they would choose to follow Christ have an opportunity to stand right now in the present in the grace that saves us. And it's not just so that we can wait around and go to heaven. It's so that every single day we can live the fullest life that God can possibly give. That we're not just sitting around waiting, that we're actively living out the very best life possible because His grace stands with us now. We have access to it. And we can go, oh man, I am shoveling in the grace. And here's the one I want. Here's the one I want to key in on. Here's the one that as I sit in worship services and I hear songs, it just, tears become just flowing out of my face. Look at verse 3. And we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so, but we rejoice in our sufferings because we know that our suffering produces perseverance, and perseverance character, and character hope. And hope that does not disappoint us because God has poured out His love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit whom He has given us. Those who decide to vote for Christ and make Him their representative can say, I'm going to have universal, absolute hope. It's the kind of hope that's the hope for the long haul. It's the kind of hope that says, I'm not going to go to the mailbox and find it empty. It's the kind of hope that says, I'm not going to be left at the altar by God. It's the kind of hope that none of us ever will ever have to say, I was disappointed or shamed because I believed something that was wrong. This became real to me in June. Because hope happens, and hope is needed, and hope sustains when life goes wrong. In June, I lost my sister-in-law. And I'll confess, it rocked me emotionally in a way that I've never been rocked. 
And hope is needed in those situations, isn't it? It's needed in the situation where we have someone who has died. It's needed in those situations where there's tragedy that strikes someone whom we love. It's that kind of hope that we need when, when the diagnosis from the doctor isn't what we thought it was going to be. Hope is needed when our life gets wrecked. And there I was. I needed something. And I'll be honest with you. For a while, this was my quiet time with God. This was the conversation that God and I have had over and over again. God, your hope better be real. God, what you say in your word better be the truth. Because if it's not, I'm going to be really mad. Because I'm not sure I can handle this. I'm not sure I can handle this death if it's not. And you know what? There it is. God's representative answer in Romans chapter 5. Did, did you hear it? This is a hope, verse 5, and hope does not disappoint us. Hope's not going to disappoint us. What I began with hope is going to sustain me and it's going to enable and empower more hope. I was on my way up here this morning. This is not permission to use your cell phones. I was on my way up here this morning, in fact. I got this text from one of our elders' wives, Nancy Carlson, whose husband two months ago endured a somewhat tragic accident, who's been in the hospital, who's been through surgeries, she writes this to me. Mike, through this journey, even though there has been a lot of character building, we have never felt forgotten or abandoned. God is good, whatever the circumstances, and hope definitely has not disappointed the Holy Spirit whispers to us that we're not alone. We feel the prayers of the saints. We do miss all of you and miss worshiping with you. And Dave is doing so much better. I don't know what life has handed you. I don't know what sort of thing that you have had to persevere through. But I can say this, if you choose to make Christ your representative, if you choose to follow Christ in faith and allow Him to make you right with God, then hope roars. Because when righteousness rules, hope roars. And it will roar for you universally, but you have to choose the right candidate. Gang, we, we need each other 
to produce the kind of hope and follow the representative of Christ. I hope that you'll take advantage of the life groups. I hope that together you can say, man, this is where I'm at, and this is where I need to be, and I need someone to come alongside of me to help me believe in the one who I need to have represent me. And if that's you, come tonight. And maybe you're here this morning and you're going, I want Christ as my representative. And if that's you, then you can come. And if, if the center aisle is too scary, then please hang out and talk with me or Josh or, or one of the leaders here so that we can walk you through the steps of what it means to follow, have faith, immerse yourself in the waters of baptism and, and recognize fully who Christ is. There's two candidates you get to choose. Let's pray. Lord, we love you. Thank you so much for your goodness. Thank you for your word that challenges our lives. And I pray, Father God, we'll choose the right candidate. And we'll follow the one who brings life. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen.